All right. Well, that was um, all intentional because this service incorporates a lot of silence. And instead of talking, I'm just going to mouth at the camera. I'm kidding. But I'll talk less um, and just give two brief reflections, followed by some serious silence time. Um, because our service today is about contemplative prayer and some related ideas. So there are lots of kinds of prayer, of course. There's, there's prayers of petition or intercession where you're asking for something for yourself or for others. There's prayers of praise and thanksgiving where you're just expressing thanks and, and wonderment at what the world is like. And there is contemplative prayer, which some would say underlies them all. So let me use the words of a Unitarian, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, although he's rather ill-tempered about it, he gives an interesting introduction to the idea of contemplative prayer. Prayer that craves a particular commodity, anything less than all good, is vicious. Prayer is the contemplation of the facts of life from the highest point of view. It is the soliloquy of a beholding and jubilant soul. It is the spirit of God pronouncing his works good. But prayer is a means to effect a private end is theft and meanness. It supposes dualism and not unity in nature and consciousness. As soon as the man is at one with God, he will not beg. Now, as I said, that's a rather grumpy introduction to contemplative prayer, but I love his definition of prayer, all kind of prayer, as the contemplation of the facts of life from the highest point of view, focusing less on what we can get and more on just trying to be a part of reality and understand things in the unity of us and the world, us and the holy, whatever it may be. So that when we behold jubilantly the creation, we're like the Spirit of God saying, what I have created is good. Now, I should also say that Emerson was not a purist. For all that he's railing against prayers that ask for something, he loved the Lord's Prayer, which does ask for things like forgiveness and freedom from temptation. So he's letting his rhetoric run away with him a little bit here. Contemplative prayer, I think, can be summed up in another way, which is that it's less about speaking. It's less about putting things out into the universe or to God at all. And it's more about cultivating an attitude of listening. And here is a wonderful description of what could, it could be a description of contemplative prayer from that artist we heard from before. And she's speaking about art, M.C. Richards. Um, and I think what she has to say has a deep spiritual significance. With listening to, she says, it seems to me, it is not the ear that hears. It is not the physical organ that performs the act of inner receptivity. It is the total person who hears. Sometimes the skin seems to be the best listener as it prickles and thrills, say, to a sound or a silence. Or the fantasy, the imagination, how it bursts into inner pictures as it listens and then responds by pressing its language, its forms, into the listening clay. To be open to what we hear. To be open in what we say. 
Contemplative prayer is that part of prayer that is not about speaking. It's about listening. It's about receptivity. So that you might hold your hands like this or like this. Have your body in an attitude of reception, which is different than asking for something. Because that presupposes that we know what we need or want and we're putting it out there. Whether it, whereas receptivity, contemplation of what is, is openness to whatever may come, to wherever it may take us. In this regard, if you've meditated in traditions such as the Buddhist or Hindu tradition, this may sound similar. Um, it may sound familiar to you. It's um, got similar challenges as well. If you've ever tried meditating, you probably notice that your mind wanders. It's hard to keep your mind on whatever you're meditating on, whether it's your breath or nothingness or keep your eyes on the on the wall in front of you <clears throat> you get distracted and you start noticing your itchy itchy back and your plans for tomorrow and how hungry you are and your meditation teacher would probably tell you at that moment just watch those thoughts and feelings go by and just just bring yourself back over and over <clears throat> not with judgment not with anger not with I did it again but just oh there I go and here I am and there was a French saint, Saint Francis de Sales, who has very similar uh, advice to those who practice contemplative prayer. He says, if the heart wanders or is distracted, bring it back to the point, quite gently. And even if you did nothing during the whole of your hour but bring your heart back, though it went away every time you brought it back, your hour would be very well employed. So we're not going to um, spend an hour doing this, but we're going to spend just a few minutes in silence in an attitude of contemplation of whatever may arrive. And if all we do is bring our heart back over and over to that practice, that will be our time very well employed. So will you join me now in some time of contemplation?
Thank you. We'll have a little more silence later on, and also our music, both the music we're singing and the music we're hearing from Christy and Aog will be uh, a time for contemplation. Four Shillings Short joins us, by the way, from a concert that they gave in Oklahoma, made the video available to us because they can't come visit us in person um, in the circumstances, and um, it's just so wonderful to have their music with us. This is, of course, Memorial Day weekend, and I'm inspired to address it by um, the very sad and moving cover of the front page of the New York Times today. Um, you may have seen it. They found something to share about every one of the almost 100,000 people who have died of COVID-19. An act of tireless reporting, an act of love. A thousand of those names and stories appear on the front page and then you can access all of them through their, through their app. And as I ponder Memorial Day, I thought about how with millions of US Americans dead in wars, people can become statistics. But each one, every person who died in one of our many wars was so much more than a number. Each one lived and loved and was loved. And so to honor and remember them, let us lift up the briefest of stories of just three lives given in service to our country so that we might remember the stories that go with all of these names. Ralph Ignatowski died on Iwo Jima in the Second World War. He lied to pass his physical so he could fight in the war. Cyril Pahanui died of Agent Orange-related cancer at age 68. He was such a loving friend and mentor that one of his slack-key guitar students called him my second dad. Brandon Davis died in Fallujah, Iraq at the age of 20. He loved to go roller skating with friends at the Moonglow Rink in his hometown of Cumberland, Maryland. May we remember them, all of the people remembered here at Memorial Day. May we grieve for them alongside those who knew them best and holding each life as sacred and irreplaceable, may we dedicate ourselves to creating a humanity where war is only a bitter memory of the distant past. <laughs> 